Good morning, yep. Lydia House. Nice to see you here. And we know that some of you are here, although you're not all here. <laughs> but we are, yes, we are all here. And on this very cold day, I'm told that it is the coldest day since 1970. So that's what I was told. Some of you are shocked, but that's what I heard. So uh, glad to be inside, right? We're ha having worship here inside. Let's uh, open with prayer, and we'll include praying for our nation. Father, we're thankful that we are inside. We know that there are some homeless people that are uh, probably suffering in this season. We pray that you would warm up any who are cold in our city, in our state, in our country. We thank you that you give us the warmth of one another, the warmth of your presence. We invite you to be among us today for the worship, the word, the fellowship. We thank you for Lydia House. We thank you that in your kindness you allowed us to bring this about and come together to worship together in this place. And we bless those who are worshiping by Zoom. We thank you that they are here in spirit as well. And so we do pray, Father, for our nation in this time when there's much division. We pray that the church might be more united than ever. We also pray that out of the rubble will come revival. We pray that we would see a mighty work of your Holy Spirit in our land in this season, in 2021, by your grace, that we would see miracles, we would see people coming alive, we would see healing, we would see eyes open, legs strengthened. We look to you for your work to be done among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hi, everybody. Hey, that looks like the Johnstone family. It is the Johnstone family. And it's good to see you. Happy Valentine's Day. I know there's one newlywed couple in the audience. Happy Valentine's Day, particularly to you guys. And just a couple quick announcements. Uh, welcome to everybody's joining by Zoom. If you are on Zoom, just remember to consider muting yourself when you're not talking. And to those watching on YouTube or on TV later or wherever you're watching from, welcome to Lydia House. We're glad to have you with us in whatever space, time, and media method you choose. Sounded like a commercial. That was weird. Um, reminder about giving. You can give online, LydiaHouseChurch.org. And um, I'll give you an update soon, maybe next week, on Harvest Water Africa and how things are going in Uganda. But you can keep those folks in your prayers. Um, they also went through a very difficult election. Um, but in places like that, when there's a difficult election, it's a little bit scarier, um, even than this year. <laughs> Um, so you can keep them in your prayers that uh, it will remain peaceful and that the people of God would remain free to meet. And that sort of thing would continue. Um, 
that's not a guarantee all over the world, as you know well. So we are thankful for that here, and I pray that they would continue to be able to experience that there in East Africa. Uh, I did want to share a quick testimony of something really cool that happened this week. So uh, as most of you know, I um, have some uh, health issues related to a genetic condition and some other stuff. And um, part of that is that I am in a higher, higher risk category for COVID, uh, which is why I'm on Zoom with you guys right now. And I have, I have had a lot of peace about that and about the vaccine and all that sort of thing. Um, but the other night, Sarah came home from work and we were talking about it. And I could tell she was a little more concerned maybe than I was. And so I was like, hmm, maybe I should be more concerned. Maybe I should be praying about this more. Um, so I prayed that night uh, that I'd be able to get a vaccine early and get in and all that kind of stuff and that that would all be good. And I, as I was praying about it, I really just felt this peace. Like God was like, I got this one. Like, this is under control. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay. So I didn't worry. And the next morning I wake up to a phone call that was, hey, we have an extra dose of vaccine. Come in and get it today. So that's what happened this week. <laughs> and I went in and I got my COVID shot um, it, several months early, probably. So that was a total God thing. And uh, there's more about that I could share, but pretty cool testimony. Uh, we're pretty excited about that. So that means I'll be there with you in person in just a few weeks, which is also pretty cool. So praise God for that. And he's, he's watching out for us. Amen. And I know this week was tough uh, on other people in the congregation. There was the loss of a loved one that uh, whenever someone passes away, especially unexpectedly, especially when they're too young, um, it's, it's tough. And so I'd like us to spend a little time in prayer and prepare our hearts for worship. But I want to start by praying for grief, um, whether it's a recent grieving for you or something that's old and been around for a long time that you've learned to live with. God comforts those who mourn. And that's a really important aspect of our faith and an aspect of our God that he is concerned about. He brings it up in the Bible a lot. And sometimes on days like Valentine's Day, we can miss people a little bit more. And so I'd like to start off praying for that, and then we'll continue to prepare our hearts for worship. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you do grieve with those who grieve, and that grief is a important process and an important part of our life here on earth. And so we ask you that you would grieve with all those who grieve, whether the grief is very raw or very recent or whether it's something we've carried for a while. We thank you that you comfort all who mourn. And so, Lord, we receive that comfort for ourselves, and we ask you to help us to grow in empathy for each other um, and to be aware of those in our life who may need some extra comfort or some else, extra encouragement or extra support uh, in these days where many in the United States are grieving recent losses. So help us to be your hands and feet for people and to love them with the love of God. And I ask you that you would help us now, Holy Spirit, to prepare our hearts for worship, that we could worship you with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And let's take a moment now just to confess our sins before the Lord, anything that we've done, anything that we have left undone that we should have done. 
over the past week. Let's just take a moment of silence just to confess those things before the Lord. We receive your forgiveness, and we are thankful for that in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for all the other things we have to be thankful for. I thank you that it's only 33 below wind chill right now. It could be colder. The family and I watched a video about Alaska yesterday. So thank you that we're in Minnesota. We thank you uh, that spring is around the corner. We thank you for tax season. We thank you for slippery driveways. We thank you for all the things that we have, whether they were things that we would maybe choose or not. I pray that you would help to teach us, Lord, how to be thankful in all things, in all seasons, as it says in your word. And Lord, we set down now some of those things that might be really weighing on our heart or on our mind. We set them down for a little while so that we can focus on you in worship, and on studying your word. And so we pray that you would help us to open up our ears, spiritual ears this morning, open up our minds to connect with you, commune with you, and learn from you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And let's worship the Lord. Amen. I'm going to play a long introduction, and during that introduction, I want you to stand up, and whatever you're comfortable doing, you can wave at people, at least two or three people. If you're comfortable touching them, you can do that, but uh, you can wave at the people here, yeah, on Zoom, so um, you can move around a little bit if you want to. Start with Hallelujah. Thanks. Blessing and honor. Blessing. Ready? Blessing and honor. Glory and power. Be unto the ancient of days. From every nation, all of creation. Bow before the ancient of days. Every tongue, every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Every knee shall bow at your throne. Yes, Lord. In worship, you will be exalted, O God. And your kingdom shall not pass away, O ancient of days. Blessing and honor. Blessing and honor, glory and power, be to the ancient of days. From every nation, all of creation, bow before the ancient of days. Every tongue, every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Every knee shall bow at your throne. In worship, you will be exalted, O God. And your kingdom shall not pass away, O ancient of days. 
Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Sing unto the ancient of days. For none can compare to your matchless worth. Sing unto the ancient of days. Every tongue, every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Every knee shall bow at your throne. In worship you will be exalted, O God. And your kingdom shall not pass away, O ancient of days. O ancient of days. O ancient of days. Great worship song. Great worship song. Hey, Byron fixed this drum, and you don't have to be technical in order to do it. You just have to have a little bit of rhythm. So if somebody wants to get it, we'll, Tim will bring it right back to you. Who wants to play it? Come on, Okay, come on. we got somebody to play it, Tim. All right. Come on, man. We sang this next hymn at Dallas Seminary. I didn't learn it in Lutheran Church, but I, sat, I, I learned it at Dallas Seminary and sang it with 400 guys in harmony. Wow. Was that beautiful or was it? Here goes, great words. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain for me who him to death. Amen. 
resurrection of your son yes, Jesus yes, Christ you. by whom we live hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus I want to thank the Lord for his love today for his love is greater than anything we can imagine we know that so father we praise and thank you that you are the one that will love us more than anyone could ever love us. You know us better than anyone could ever know us. And we thank you for tangible ways you bless us, even in nature, even in snow. And I, I thank you today for my mother who uh, went through a lot being a missionary wife. And she was given these beautiful roses flowers this week by um by uh sarah yes nate's wife came over and uh, lord you are so good to us and so we want to just praise your name today more and more yes thou o lord yes lord art a shield about me you're my glory, yes, you're, you're the, the lifter of my head. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory, you're the lifter of my head. Hallelujah, 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 you're the lifter of my head, hallelujah, pray that you would lift up any heads, Father, that are discouraged, that are downcast as we sing this song. We pray that you would be the lifter of our heads. Cause us to lift them up and see not the pain, not the sorrow, not the struggle, but to see your face. So we sing together. Oh, Lord. 
shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my hand. Thou, oh Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my hand. Hallelujah. 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 You're the lifter of my hand. Keep singing, keep the song going. Lift up the heads, O Lord. Oh Lord, we want to see you. We want to see you. We look to you, we look away from our circumstances. We look away from our sorrows unto you, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are shield about us, Lord. You protect us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the helmet of salvation, for the robes of righteousness, for the sword of the Spirit. You, O Lord, are in charge, and you equip us, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise be to you, Lord. Tim and I were comparing notes this morning, and we realized that we both lost sisters this last week. Just about this, maybe the same day, he lost a sister who was 69 going on 70, and mine was 70. And uh, we're thankful that they're in heaven, that they're with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. My sister was a singer. She was smarter than I was. <laughs> I think she was the smartest of the six in our family. And uh, she got Parkinson's and that did a number on her body and on her emotions. But I'm so thankful. I'm we so sang thankful. together, didn't we? So we have yeah. wonderful memories of worshiping the yes. Lord together. And she was my roommate and she introduced me to she she would bring this lady down to Orange County for Christmas time. for family gatherings. For family gatherings. That's quite a, that was quite a gift. Working at, at the church, so we, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they lived together with to uh, with Pastor Larry Christensen. He was a leader of Charismatic Renewal in the Lutheran Church. So wonderful memories. And it was at that time that I learned this song. As a deer? Yes. And before that, we learned the song that she used to sing a lot 
through it all, through it all, I've learned yes. to trust in Jesus. And that's what we're doing, Lord. We're trusting in you in the midst of uh, all sorts of shakings in this world, in, in this, in our land, uh, and even mm -hmm. in our lives. But you are that solid rock. We thank you, Lord. Do any of you remember this song, As a Deer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's sing it. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You ourselves to you. We give ourselves to afresh you, to you. Yes, we want to Lord. give ourselves to you every day, yes, every hour, every yes, moment. Lord. We're yours. Father. We're not our own. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to you. So as we are in prayer, if there's a word that God uh, puts in your heart and you feel something to share with us, you go ahead and Share it. It could be a prayer. It could be something that you see, something that you sense or feel, something that you think may be for us for this morning. You go ahead and uh, speak out if you sense that.
And if we'll have a mic here if, if uh, somebody, anybody feel like you have a word for us? John? The Lord is here, he's with us, and he's near to the brokenhearted. And when you are, when you are, he asks that you reach out to him. And he's there to comfort you. He's the comforter. He sends the comforter into your life. So when you're brokenhearted, reach out to him and he can fill you. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Anybody experiencing any of that brokenheartedness now? Anybody? Uh, we got something in the, in the back row. Put your hand on Kathy. Put your hands on Kathy. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anything you want to share, Kathy, or should we just go ahead and pray? Okay, someone pray, uh, get, take the mic and pray. Let there be restoration, Lord. Yes, yes. Uh, whatever it is that she's praying for, Father. I, mm -hmm. I did uh, wake up with a dream, and I believe this is uh, not only for myself, for, for Kathy, but for all of us. And uh, it was that I, I jumped into a, a river, uh, and a river re represents restoration and uh, revival. And the Lord gives us pictures. And then there are rocks, big rocks in the river, but not dangerous. Ones where people were sitting on the rocks. And Lord, let her see that you are that rock, that solid rock. And you are going to bring restoration bring renewal. Let her see that in the spiritual realm, what you are doing. We pray against any darts from the enemy. Pray for healing. We pray that, Lord, you would bring protection and encouragement to her. In Jesus' name. We believe in healing. We believe God's a healing God. Before he revealed himself as a father, he revealed himself as a God who heals. And so we look to him for those things in our body that need adjustment, that need healing. And we trust him. Jesus, when, when lepers came up to him, if you, if you will, you can make me clean and he never turned anyone down. He never said, Thank no, you, I don't think you're ready for it. He, he healed. And so, Jesus, Father, bring healing today to those that need healing in their body and in their spirit. Do you? I just have a praise report because you guys have been praying for my arm. I had a torn uh, bicep, and just a praise report. Thanks for the prayers, because uh, my healing's about five weeks ahead of schedule. So. Mm. Yeah. Hey, hold on to that. You pray for Spencer. Spencer works for oh, him. Yeah. He lives here, and Spencer hurt his back. And so yeah. let's let's believe for Spencer. My son Spencer hurt his back, and he uh, he's gonna. Spencer can hear me right now in the other room. <laughs> And we have 10 rules that we have to follow. Number one is safety, and number two is safety. Number, you get the picture. Everyone, okay. <laughs> everyone is safety, and I think it, he'll be following that a little better next time. But in the meantime, he got hurt because he was willing to take on a, a, a super heavy 
delivery by himself, and he's just got a heart of gold. Anyway, Lord, I lift up Spencer for healing. Mm -hmm. um, Lord, it, it sounds like it's going into sciatic nerve, and he's and he's having even more pain from his back mm. now, down his leg mm. and hip. And Lord, I I know that you created Spencer and designed him and built him, and and uh, he needs an adjustment now. And I pray that you will heal him and bring him to whole wholeness and healing as yeah. as fast as um, you think it's proper. And Lord, that ease him from his pain. And thank you for his great heart that he's willing to do anything. And um, I pray that you'll reward him with a healing in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Karen, you want to introduce your friend? Ah, yeah. <laughs> Hi. Um, we have a wonderful visitor. Uh, she's not new for me. She's my friend. Mikiko uh, is here. Uh, Mikiko Foley. Yes. Welcome, welcome to Mikiko. <laughs> we have Bible study together uh, with um, Sachko, and who is, was supposed to be coming today. We'll see if they, they make it. They're on but Zoom. Um, oh, oh, there you are. Okay, on Zoom. Yay! Oh. Hello. <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> and and also, um, so we, we've been with my other with Masumi and others. So welcome. Okay. Yeah. He's bringing the word. I looked at his notes. I'm excited for the message out of Psalm 2. So uh, put your hand forward to bless him as we pray. Would both you guys turn your mics on? <laughs> that's what that's for in my pocket. I wonder why I was carrying it. Yeah, check. Yep, yeah, we're good. Okay, did I get it on? Did I get it right? Are we on? Are we on? We are. Yep, now, okay. we now we are on. Hmm. So thank you, Father, for the message that you've put in Paul's heart. It's in the Word, and it's in his heart, and put it from his heart to our heart. Yes. We pray that we may catch a glimpse of what you want your people to know out of Psalm 2. And this will be an opportunity for us to grow. I know he is growing just by studying this. And so allow us to grow as we receive this Word. As we say yes, I want you to say yes in advance. Say yes now. Yes, yes. before you even hear it. You're going to hear a word and it's going to say a yes inside of you. So we say yes. Okay, amen. amen. Go for it. Bless you. All right. Yeah, wherever you need me to go. All right. Well, just take a moment and... Thank the, he's so kind. He's just so tender and so grateful that he showed up um, this morning and the honor to be here. I know this in our eyes probably looks really simple, but just while we were worshiping, I just really felt the tenderness and the joy of the Father um, as we're just gathering and um, just the love of heaven over this room. And I'm just so grateful for that, um, the opportunity to be in Paul's house and just be a part of the story of Lydia House. So Father, we thank you yeah. for your tenderness and your kindness and the tender love of the Father this morning and that you quiet us with love and we thank you that that's a scripture even this morning that 
love and your presence shows up. It just quiets and calms our hearts. In a season um, where it, in many ways, the season of life is indicative of the season of the winter right now where it's cold and things seem dead. And, um, you know, we're reaching for hope. We're reaching for something to anchor us. And we thank you that that's when your love shows up the most. So we ask you for more of that this morning. We ask you for more of your grace. And we just ask you that the gracious words of Jesus would be poured out. It says in your word that grace is poured upon your lips. And that you're fairer than the sons of men. You're the most beautiful of all the leaders in the ages, in the age to come and the ages of past, God. You're fairer than the sons of men. And we agree with that word. We agree with Jesus' leadership. And we ask you for a revelation of it this morning in your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So just by a quick show of hands, how many have actually heard a message from Psalm 2? Wonderful. Praise the Lord. It's, uh, you know, oddly enough, in 10 years or so ago, I can't remember when I first started sharing at this house, um, I knew next to nothing about preaching, but the Lord put Psalm 2 on my heart, and it was actually the first message I ever shared, um, and that was just coincidental. And uh, as I was praying, you know, Nate and Paul asked if there was something I might have to share, and the Lord put Psalm 2 on my heart. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. This is really a two-part message. We're not going to get to both parts. Um, we're going to focus on the first part. And um, I shared the notes with Paul and Nate, so if you want them, reach out to them. Um, they're worth reading, and uh, you know there's more in the notes than there's time to talk about this morning, and that's okay, um, because you know you're not going to unpack a psalm like this in 30 minutes. But um, you know we're going to talk about the first few parts this morning, and Psalm two actually is best described, I think, by Charles Spurgeon. He talked about Psalm two as being a four-act play. And um, so as we're talking about that, I'm going to talk about the first two acts, and then the second two acts we're not going to get through this morning, but my favorite is the third, which um, I encourage you, unfortunately we won't talk about in depth this morning, I know, so that's a little cliffhanger. Um, the best part is really the part where Jesus speaks, um, but we'll that's, maybe we can do that, yeah, so maybe that's a plug for an, another time. But we're going to talk about the first two because I think to really appreciate the, the third and the fourth, you need to understand the first two. So as we're talking about this, I want you to, in your minds, picture you're at a theater and there's a curtain and there's a narrator and his name is the Holy Spirit and he's telling us a story that he gives to his servant David thousands of years ago and it's a gift from the Holy Spirit because he's telling us in the tender mercy of the Father, he's preparing his church for the things to come. And I'm not, and I want to be very clear, I'm not telling you that, you know, I'm prophesying the ends to come and the end is near, but this is a biblical message and it's in the word and we're going to talk about it. And nobody knows the seasons or the, you know, when Jesus is going to return. That's not biblical to say, you know, he's coming X, Y, Z date. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is it's a, this is a message that the Holy Spirit gave to David 
for the church to prepare us for the age to come. And it's the great joy and honor that we get to read it. So think of that, the Holy Spirit narrating a play with four acts, and we're going to get to read the first two acts. So just before we get into the, um, the teaching, I just, want, you know, I just want to read the psalm. It's a short psalm. It's 12 verses, but it's packed with uh, wonderful, wonderful instruction. So the Lord is, this psalm is called the reign of the Lord's anointed, which we know is, is Jesus. So why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have, forgot, I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. 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 So songs have been written about this psalm. In messages, we've been talking about this psalm for hundreds of years. And so the first part we read about is David warring, telling about this experience where nations will rage against the king and his anointed. And so he's telling of this time where there will be great opposition against the Lord and his anointed. And anointed is simply in Hebrew, the Messiah, and in Greek, the Christ. So we know this is a, a telling. David is getting a prophetic picture of nations coming together in unity in a joined force to oppose the ways and the morality and the leadership of God's anointed, who is Jesus. And it's important to understand that this is the promised one that the father told David he would receive because of David's being a man after God's own heart. So David is seeing this picture of nations raging against his, you know, his seed, his offspring, the one who's going to come, you know, in what would be several hundred years later. And then he's getting a prophetic picture. And what's important is the father is saying the nations will rage in anger against Jesus' leadership. And for those of you who follow government, you know, and you think about, I want us to picture like a meeting of the minds in like, you know, the European Union or whatever the picture might be. You talk, you re study World War II and you have Hitler and Mussolini and the Japanese, you know, prime minister at the time and all these leaders coming together to plot a world order that will, in essence, try to take over the nations. And they're great minds, and they're world leaders. And that's what, G that's what David is seeing. 
And for the most part, and this is just my opinion, because I see this in, in you know, a lot of um, industry environments. You know, I work at a very big company, 90,000 people, where leaders and VPs meet together all the time. And for the most part, they don't really like each other. You know, and in all honesty, they don't really have an interest in like joining and locking arms and being like, you're my friend and my pal. They come together with strategies to try to promote their own, you know, strategic ideas, yeah. right? They come together and say, well, I, I can get this from them, and it's an economic relationship. And the point is, is like they're mostly coming together to benefit their own economies, their own, you know, judicial systems. But what David is seeing is actually very different. What he's seeing is they have a unified strategic alignment that says we're coming together with zeal, with passion, with jealousy, with rage, and we're actually unified in our agreement that we want to break the bonds of Jesus's leadership and the moral statutes that God in his ways ordain. And so it's much different than the economic and the world leaders coming together today where it's mostly self-preservation. It's mostly self-endorsement. This is actually saying like, no, I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying, your, national, your nationalistic ideas that are going to promote a one world government. And that's what, but the beauty of it is in verse two, it's a vain thing. And that's what's important. It's actually quite vain and it will accomplish next to nothing. And it, what will feel like momentum, what will feel like they're actually winning, because it right now kind of feels like that, right? It's like we're actually losing the war of morality. We're losing the war of biblical justice. We're losing the war. It feels like that. But what the Father's telling David is it's vain. And the kings of the earth set themselves in this vain council, and it will accomplish nothing. Because what we're going to find out is that though they come together and they set their hearts to support the plots of the people and take counsel against the Lord's leadership, it's ultimately God has set his king on the holy hill of Zion. And he tells us these things not to put fear in our hearts, but to give us encouragement and to help us feel comforted and to know that Jesus will ultimately rule and reign forever. So these beautiful verses in Psalm 1 through 3, you know, in many ways, they create uncertainty. They create, you know, fear. You know, you could use things like terror. And there's legitimate rage against the Lord and his ways. But the beauty of it is, and, and, and here's what they're saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So what he's talking about there is they view Jesus' morality in his leadership, in his ways, as bondage. You know, the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shall not, thou shall not. They view it as bondage. And it's like this constraint, this divine constraint over their lives. You know, things like the sanctity of marriage. The things like, you know, honor your brother, honor your sister. Husbands, hurt, serve your wives as Christ served the church. They view that as bondage. But what we read about with Jesus is that's actually an easier yoke to bear. 
than the ways of immorality, than the ways of, you know, doing my own thing. What Jesus teaches us in Matthew 11 is, no, my yoke is actually much easier than immorality, than choosing this broad, wide road of destruction. The narrow road will actually unlock your heart. And we've lost power. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> we still have power. We still have this. We still have power, amen. So um, maybe we need to flip a fuse. Maybe that's all it was. Um, the point is, is Jesus actually teaches us in Matthew 11, my ways are easy, my yoke is light, my burden is much easier to carry than the burden of sin and destruction. Because what we read in Scripture is the wages of sin is death, amen. But life, Jesus comes to give life and give it abundantly. So that's the war. That's the war we're in, right? It's, it's either Jesus' way or the world's ways, and the two can't coexist. They simply can't coexist, and Jesus will remove everything that hinders love. So we read, to say a little bit more about that, before the Lord returns, we read in Daniel, that sin will reach its greatest heights in history. So, so I don't say this to, you know, it, as a fear tactic. You know, I, I actually, what I'm about to say here is, is really more to the the fruit of it is ultimately meant to be peace and comfort though it sounds un, it's very it sounds very uncomfortable is you know honestly church we haven't reached the full pinnacle of of sin you know being spread on the earth i mean and i don't say that to to put fear in your heart i say that just because it's in the bible and it's true and so the point is is Though what feels like chaos and insanity right now, it's, it's actually going to get worse. But the beauty of it is, is Jesus will raise up a standard against it. Amen? And so the sin will reach its greatest heights in history before the Lord returns, and there will be a very deep, unholy momentum building against God's commands to the point that we read in 1 Timothy, and Paul's seeing this and he's telling this to Timothy, that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, even forbidding marry, marriage. Forbidding marriage. Sin will reach such a peak that it will seem pointless for people, for leaders in world governments to even allow marriage. And if you think of 10 years ago, the thought of that even being realistic was so difficult to comprehend. And it's like, what is that? How would that even unfold? It's like, how would the idea of marriage being forbidden even take place pragmatically? But now you can actually see it because the idea of love is so confused and so contorted and so demonically like per, per, um, influenced that it's like, well, what's the point of getting marriage? Because, well, if, you know, a guy can marry a woman, then a guy should marry a guy and a woman a woman, you know, and we don't know what's real anymore, so we're just going to get away with the whole thing together and let everyone love whoever they want. Like, that actually seems realistic. Like, that is, but that's so demonically influenced, but we're, we're not there yet. But I, I tell you, like, some nations will forbid marriage, like Paul talked about it to Timothy. So the point is is God is telling this to David. He's warning us of it, but he's saying it's vain. It's ultimately vain. 
It won't accomplish anything, and I have my ways, and they're, they're, they're fixed, and I've made up my mind. So now I want, so we're getting into Act 2. And I want you to picture that, that image, right? You have these leaders in this room and they're creating strategies and they're plotting against the Lord's ways and they're trying to decipher all these strategies and in comes the audible voice of the Father that says, I have, as of me, I have set my king on Zion and on my holy hill and my decisions will not be changed. And beloved, I'm doing a very poor job of creating that picture. A very, very poor job. The best I can describe it is I'm in a meeting with the, my senior vice president, and we come up with these ideas, and he says, fam, whatever you want to call it, group here, I've made up my mind. This is what we're doing. Move forward and don't ask me about this anymore. Like, this conversation is over. We're not going to talk about this ever again. Beloved, the Father has chosen who will rule and reign in Jerusalem forever. And this is the beautiful thing. And this is, there's no way like I can put a strong enough emphasis on it. God is a man. A man will rule and reign in Jerusalem forever. And he is God. What Jesus did when becoming a man and taking on our form and becoming like us in deciding to be in our midst as a man, as the uncreated God of Genesis 1 who breathed life into existence and picked up dust and said, let it be amen. And it is good. He will rule and reign forever. Hallelujah. Forever. Thank you. And to the degree that he sits in heaven and he actually laughs. He says, he who sits in heaven shall laugh. And she'll hold them in derision, and she'll speak to them in his wrath and distress them with his great displeasure. He said, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Jesus is going to come and set his precious ten toes with ten fingers on a grassy hill in Jerusalem, and he will rule and reign forever. The argument going on in Israel right now of Palestine versus Jerusalem is worthless. That is a worthless discussion. Don't even engage in it because Jesus has made up his mind. I am the king. I will rule and reign from this precious hill. And I have, I have made Jerusalem my capital. And so we can take refuge in that. We can take comfort in that. We can rest in those promises that the Father has interrupted the strategic meetings of the nations and said, I am going, to, I have made up my mind. And I tell you, beloved, the ascension that, that Luke talks about in the last chapter of Luke and in the first chapter of Acts, where Jesus is ascending to heaven, yes. I assure you that coronation of Jesus as king was a glorious day in heaven. Yes. In those angels, we read about it in, we read about it in, uh, Daniel 7, where he describes the judgment seat of Christ. And Daniel is seeing this picture of Jesus as the Son of Man approaching the Ancient of Days. And nobody walks into the throne room of the Father and takes the scroll without having the image of the Father. 
Beloved, you don't just walk into the throne room of the ancient of days and take the deed of earth and heaven and unlock the seals to release the judgments of, of, of his kingdom. Wow. That's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to walk into the throne room of the ancient of days and those seals that are on the scroll are the judgments of the nations and Jesus has the right to unlock the seals because he did what the Father asked him to do. And that's what the Father has taken great pleasure in, in saying, you can say what you want and do what you feel, but as for me and mine, I'm going to hold you in derision and I'm going to speak distress against you in deep displeasure. And beloved, I don't even want to be in the same universe when the Father says what he's going to say to those kings. I don't even want to be in the same ecosystem. I, I really don't. And that's why when we talk about for our leaders, the Father wants us to have great mercy and <coughs> compassion on them because the day of their judgment is not something that we want to reckon with. So when we pray for our leaders, when we speak, you know, about them, you know, that's what, the, that's what they're walking into unless the great mercy and judgment, unless the great mercy of love in Jesus encounters their heart. You know, those words are not to be taken lightly. The wrath and distress of the ancient deep displeasure. That's what he's, I mean, that's what David is seeing. And so he sits in on his throne. And, and it's important that we recognize that, that he's actually sitting down peaceably and calm. And he's laughing in heaven at these schemes of the ages. He's sitting peacefully and laughing. And I just, you know, I picture that. I'm like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in great unity laughing at the cute little, you know, oh, he's so cute, the guy who's down there all angry trying to like wave his censor and create these schemes of, of you know, of immorality over the nations. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's worthless. It's just a giant waste of time. So the Father's primary message, and um, this is where we'll, you know, conclude today's uh, two-part um, first part of the two-part se session, is, is the father's decision is, is final, right? He set his king on his hill, and he, he has great delight in Jesus' leadership and in Jesus' enthronement as king overall. And he set Jesus on his throne in two installments. One is what we read about in Luke 24 and in Acts 1, where you know, Jesus is coronated as a man. And again, I really can't emphasize it. There's a man who's God who will rule the nations. And he's enthroned in heaven at the Father's right hand at the resurrection. And in this very present time, the Father is determined and he will reveal Jesus as the king of the nations but through the Holy Spirit. Like even now, Jesus is ruling and reigning in heaven. And we can take refuge in that. We can take peace in that. That his leadership is perfect. His leadership is completely perfect. He has it completely under control. We don't see everything. He sees the end from the beginning. You know, Jesus in the pre-incarnate state told this to David. He's like, this is going to happen. I'm aware of it, and I'm in full control. But then there's coming a second coming where he's going to be enthroned in Jerusalem forever. And as we study that out, as we, as we focus on those truths, they're just glorious, glorious truths of, you know, imagine Jesus having perfect leadership over agriculture, our economy, over decision making, over just how we 
interact over communication, over how we communicate and the language we use. And just, I can't wait for him to redeem all of those things. And just, you read about how we're going to peacefully interact with animals. It's like C.S. Lewis had it right with Narnia. Like he had it right. That wasn't a joke. It's like we're going to engage peaceably with animals. And you read that in all throughout scripture. It's like the calf and the snake and the, you know, the lion will live peacefully yeah. together. That will be wonderful when we don't have to be afraid of approaching, you know, a fierce lion. I'll, maybe I'll have one as a pet. I don't know. That would be cool. Whatever. I mean, I'm being jovial, right? But the point is, is like Jesus will have perfect leadership over all of these things. And we can take rest in that. And we can take refuge in that. And we don't have to get worked up by the confusion and the uncertainty of the governments and the nations and whose political opinion is right, wrong, or indifferent, it really, you know, the Father's laughing about it. And so can we. Amen. So, I want to bring up Paul. He's going to close and we're going to enter into some discussion. While you're you're doing that, sorry, while you're doing that, I just masterfully delivered, Paul. Thank you, thank you, Tim. And if it's any consolation, the great Jonathan Edwards, it is said, when delivering his sermon sinners in the hands of an angry God yeah. did so completely without emotion. <laughs> so, <laughs> it doesn't need to be emotional to be effective. And I... I just want to say today is traditionally in the uh, church uh, history oh, is Transfiguration Day. Today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those scriptures and everything you were saying just kind of came together. As I was listening to Paul, I was thinking back 12 years ago when Paul was sitting in this room and he was beginning to get it. He wasn't there yet, but he was, he was taking some steps. And you have taken giant steps, not little steps. And now you're teaching. God brought you a long ways. Thank you. In his mercy and kindness. And it's, uh, isn't it thrilling to hear him open the scriptures and teach? And we will look, uh, Nate, April or May, round two. Sure. We'll, uh, he, we got a thumbs up, so uh, we'll bring him back for second round. <laughs> yeah, second round. So uh, I'm, I'm proud of you and how you've um, disciplined yourself in the Lord to hear his word and to love it and to share it. And so we, uh, I'm going I'm to bless you, and a blessing is an impartation. It's not a spoken word to end a service. It's an impartation of God's very character you end up with this peace, with the peace of God. We need peace in this time, in this season, when things are out of order and increasingly getting more and more out of order. And so we need to walk in peace. And so we receive now the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor. He did that with Mary. 
He did that in the Old Testament with Noah. Noah found favor, and he gives us his favor and grants us his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.